Good morning and welcome to a new episode of the Morningstar Journal. Me, Tariq. And as always, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what this guy has to say. And yes, I did steal that and um, anyone who knows me will know exactly who and I will keep on using it until, uh, well, until I'm told otherwise. Um, this impromptu episode is, if you hadn't noticed from the intro music, is going to be about The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the new season, season two, just dropped their new trailer last week, and I'm just going to go, and go over this series. It's been about 10 months since I last talked about it, so I definitely want to uh, go over it again. I don't think I talked about it since the just before the finale. Um, I think I, uh, when I did my episode on Mandalorian, it was probably about on episode 6 or 7, if I remember correctly, but i um, not sure. But um, I wanted to take some time to take, talk about it today, and also um, talking about the next season, um, and some other things about The Mandalorian that also came out that I think is definitely worth checking out, and listening in the background, I have the theme from The Mandalorian, kind of as a, a background sound during this episode. Um, so, those of you listening for the first time, this is a podcast that I made just to kind of talk about things that I enjoy, basically. Um, you know, I usually go over games, movies, TV shows, uh, you know, books, anything and everything that I just, you know, uh, really like, I really enjoy, that I would love to pass on to other people, and then I hope that you decide to, you know, try them out and see if you like them and maybe even um, text back or, um, you know, send me a message on what you like about it, what you didn't like about it, or, you know, just overall discussion of what you thought. But sometimes I do want to talk about things that maybe slipped under people's radars, um, shows that, uh, you know, maybe forgotten or, you know, in the light of craziness going on, maybe, um, maybe some things that, um, have a new, that you kind of bring a new light or, you know, that you can enjoy in a new way. Um, I did talk, I think last time, uh, a little bit about maybe doing something on, um, Black Panther for my next episode, but since the Mandalorian, um, trailer came out, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. I figured it'd be a great time to talk about that. Um, but also, I um, decided to get back into some creative writing. And recently, I actually did a... Well, it was an idea that spun off into kind of full dialogues and then... A full story kind of emerged, and it's a Marvel and DC mashup that I don't think I've ever seen anyone try to do this particular mashup. Like, you see a lot of fan art, and um, you know, and other people have done fan stories and fan fictions, of course, of uh, different characters, different team ups, but this one I feel is. I don't know, either unique or probably one that not pe- not many people would have seen coming. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one to the end of my basically just this. Um, like I said, it started out as just a quick, uh, quick thing, but then it it developed itself into a bigger story, and I'd almost want to make it a. Um, Kind of either either like a graphic novel or a three to five issue limited series of this crossover because it, it's I feel like it could it's bigger than just one issue, but not but this wouldn't be ongoing because I have a d- definitive end. Um, also, because of what it involves, I would, wouldn't want to put it into either universe. 
But at the same time, it could be in either universe. And if you did, then that would really um, make things interesting if you tried to. But anyway, um, getting back to like that, like I said, I'll kind of talk about that at the end. Um, right now, I'm talking about the Mandalorian. So, for the very few people who probably listen to my podcast who hadn't seen it, because, heck, if you're listening to me, more than likely you've seen it, and like me, you've probably seen it at least three or four times since it um, aired last year. Um, but the But for a brief synopsis, of course... The Mandalorian takes place in the Star Wars universe um, just after the um, movie Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Now, I think it's been said that it's five years after, but I'm not um, 100% sure on that. And I don't know exactly where I saw that five-year mark. because in the show, they really don't say it. And technically, this this is one thing. When I first watched it, um, the show is very, is almost so nebulous with uh, the um, with the time frame and everything else. You'd have almost thought that if there was more planning in the Star Wars universe in general, this would have taken place during the new trilogy, or at the very least, um, maybe like just before, because, um, and spoilers for this season, the first season, I suppose, because it has been out for 10 months and you had time to watch it, but near the, well, not near the end, sorry, within the first episode, um, the main character, um, who's just called Mando for, um, for Mandalorian, um, he meets with a um, supposed client who works for the remnants of the Empire, and you see stormtroopers. And at the very end, when we're introduced to um, uh, Moff Gideon, who is the one who's a, basically the person in charge uh, uh, for of the client, um, he comes in with a whole battalion of stormtroopers and uh, kind of comes in on a TIE fighter. And other than they do have the stormtrooper uniforms from that Star Wars period of the um, first three movies, four, five, and six, it's almost like you could have had them be First Order troops and just have it in the new trilogy there, and in there you're kind of, um, I don't want to say enforcing, but you're kind of promoting the new trilogy, which is really sad that they didn't take the time to do that. And it seems like it'd been a no-brainer, but you know these things way above my pay grade, I suppose. And to be honest, I really like the direction that they take this in. Um, especially the backstory they give Mando, and I guess if that's the case, his age wouldn't work for the backstory that they were creating. Because basically, um, within the story of Man, the basic story of Mando that takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, we're following this bounty hunter named Mando, and he takes these odd jobs, basically. All over the galaxy. Um, the first episode picks up right after he's finished the job. And he's about to take another one. But the client is, like I said, ex-Imperial. And he goes to pick up a package. Um, supposedly a person. And once he gets there, he finds out that it's this um, child who is basically a spinning image of Yoda, the Jedi Master from Empire Strikes Back. And then, of course, of the series, you find out that this child has Force powers. Now, I will call it, out of respect for 
the show and the and series and thing, I will call a child, even though it's pretty much unanimously and universally been called Baby Yoda. Um, I guess officially, and I'm using air quotes there, it is still the child because Yoda was never a character they ever gave a race to or anything like that. So we can't say like um, human or Gamorrean or Twi'lek or whatever, you know, the other races in Star Wars. Um, even though I'd almost like to test that because I'm willing to bet there's got to be some either Star Wars Legends or some encyclopedia somewhere that officially gives Yoda's race a name. There, I mean, there has to be somewhere out there. But anyway, officially, there's no name. They do want to refer to it as a child, so right now I'll call it the child. Um, but anyway, the child actually does exhibit some force powers, even though... Because it is a child, it does tucker out whenever it does it. Um, but Mando initially does bring it in, but then finds that, you know, he, when he was a child, he was attacked and then taken in by the Mandalorians. He's feeling a certain attachment to this child and decides to take care of it and protect it. But at the cost of upsetting the Bounty Hunters Guild, which start to come after him. And the first season, you know, is about eight episodes long. So if you ever have a chance, and also all the episodes are usually around between 30 to uh, maybe 40 minutes. Most of them are about 30 minutes, really. So it's a really easy watch to kind of get through, like I said, only eight episodes. Um, through his journeys, he meets a, a few crazy cast of characters that do come in the last two episodes to help him out as he tries to get back in good with the guild and also hopefully um, take care of the imperial threat or ex-imperial threat that's facing him. Um, by the end of the episode, we learn his real name, Din Djarin, I believe, um, he also acquires a jetpack, so he can be like the other Mandalorians. At one point, when he's rescued by Mandalorians, they all have jetpacks, and he doesn't. So there's a big thing where he goes like, "I gotta get me one of those," and he actually does get one. Um, he's actually once uh, he tells the armor, who's the head of his covert, and that's another thing in the um, show is that he's actually part of this kind of underground kind of group, or um, I think they call it a covert of other Mandalorians who are kind of like um, staying in the shadows, only appearing very scarcely. Um, but once he kind of... Because when he initially brings his spoils for turning into child... Um, his armor is damaged, and he goes and he tells him that you know this creature Mudhorn damaged it, and the armor initially wants to give that as his seal, his signet, basically. Um, but when he initially says that he can't accept it because he needed help, it she kind of puts it on pause for a minute, and then in the last episode, episode six, he kind of gives the full story that. The child helped him, and also, the child was the reason why he went back on the original deal to give him, and she kind of says, okay, well, then the child's going to be in your care, and you'll need to find his people, and she even mentions that the Jedi were beings that can also use the Force and to ask him to maybe try to find it. So, this, see, so, uh, and, and then one of the big, so a few of the big things that happened in the end of the uh, first season, of course, is that he's now with the child. They're considered a clan of two, so he's pretty much taking care of them, and he's going to 
presumably what we assume is that he's going to try to find other force users or maybe even will get an official name of the child's race and he'll actually try to reunite them or as the um uh, armory even says in her own proclamation train the child once he is of age so we could get a scenario where he doesn't find a suitable um, caretaker and he decides to just train the child. And we see little glimpses of it as he's taking in the kind of mannerisms. Like I saw one uh, thing talking about it, how uh, there's a episode where he's um, taking a job with a bunch of other rogues and they're about to do this prison heist basically and the child is stuck on the ship with um, one of the other people that he's teamed up with, a droid that he's teamed up with um, but when the other members turn on Mando and try to lock him up the droid of course um, is securing the ship and is kind of tracking down the child and the child is almost using the same uh stealth techniques that Mando uses on the bad guys as he's tracking them down. So we could get a scenario where Mando just says, you know what, I'm just going to train the child and uh, call it a day. And that's just how it is, um, which would be interesting because that means we might get to see a, a mini version of a Mandalorian suit, which you could find that on Google and it's hilarious. Um, but a few things I want to say about the episodes in general is that there is a lot of criticism on how, um, it, it like the, the, the middle episodes, especially, uh, the fourth, fifth and sixth episodes, um, are kind of filler and they don't tell, they're not part of the main story, but really to me, that's the beauty of the show is that it reminds me so much of things like um, older shows like uh, Firefly or Cowboy Bebop or even uh, things like A-Team and even um, one show I talked about, oh, two shows I talked about, uh, Persons of Interest and Leverage, where your first episodes are the main story to set things up to say who what this world is, who these characters are, and what their, you know, what their purpose is. And then you have these middle episodes that may not be of the main story, but they are meant to show our characters, basically show what they can do, maybe show their faults, maybe show their strengths, and in some cases even grow because that's where you see a lot of growth in characters if you look back on a lot of tv shows it wasn't from stories from the main it wasn't from the plots from the very main you know plot points it was all the little stories in between the um villain of the week or the situation of the week those are the things that really kind of developed the characters that made them grow, that made them see strengths or maybe understand their weaknesses and things like that. And I think the show does it. It's, it's one of those things where like if the show was, let's say, like the Clone Wars cartoon and almost be somewhere around 16 or 20 episodes long, then it would make sense that you would have, you know, around the the middle um, six to ten episodes to be these kind of, you know, random one-off episodes and then have your um, maybe two or three episodes on either end, the bookends uh, per se, be your main story points. And a lot of streaming shows tend to have a um, single story or maybe even two because I know um, uh, things like um, was it uh, Daredevil and Luke Cage they kind of had these they had seasons where it was like it 
it was following kind of one story for about six episodes and then this next story for six episodes. Um, and that's how a lot of streamers are, is that either the entire season of that streaming service is this one long episode or maybe they break it up and like half the season is this story arc while the other half the season is this other story arc. Um, but Nemando doesn't follow that kind of scenario. It follows, like I said, the old school scenario of you have the first couple of episodes, which are the main story. In between episodes, which are, like I said, the kind of um, personal growth. And you also have a chance to, you know, meet new people or meet new characters. And then the last episodes are sort of, and I personally enjoy it. Um, I think it's a great show, and I think it's a great series. It's worth checking out. And if you hear anybody like detracting it, I think they're in my in my personal opinion. I think they're just nitpicking on it. And it's one of these things where you can really enjoy, even if you just have a tangential. If you don't know Star Wars so often, you don't need to know it. Now there are a lot of inside jokes. There is one episode that does take place on a staple planet that anyone who is you know who knows star wars has a lot of callbacks but i don't think it takes away from the episode or the other episodes or your enjoyment of the series um now another thing i want to talk about in the series is that um about i think it was around the beginning of this whole quarantine things around February or March, they released a um, Disney showcase. And it was eight up it is eight episodes long where they actually go behind the scenes of the Mandalorian and actually talk about all the little things like they have um, there's episodes that talk with the writers, with the directors, um, with the actors. Um, there's like episodes where they talk about set designs um and the music so the theme you're hearing plus other themes um you actually talk to the uh, composer on how he actually came up with the sound um and it's really uh it's really amazing and if you want a um behind the scenes look i mean there are things that they're able to do that are just mind-blowing like um for instance the the um the sets a lot of the sets they didn't do it in front of green screens. What they did is they did it in front of these, I think it's like LED or LCD screens that would depict the background. So, like, for instance, they're on this planet. So the screens all around the sides and above them would be the landscape of the planet. And then they would have the kind of, like, physical sets on them so that when they filmed it, it looks like they're really in these big outdoor areas and it's amazing and looks really awesome like even behind the scenes looks cool and it looks like that would be a cool room just to have just to be able to kind of like set your entire area to any kind of background and you can see where they use it for the space where they'll have the kind of um, props for the ship and then around it they'll have space around it so it's not a green or blue screen so you have things to really look at and interact with but not only that you have things that will reflect off of it because for instance and I think this is probably one of the things they had to compensate the fact that the main character wears a helmet throughout the entire course of the um, uh, show. He never, his his creed is basically to never remove it. And for the most part, it isn't. Um, for only two very rare circumstances. Um, and probably, um, and, and probably because he had to wear that helmet, which is going to be reflecting off of, you know, it's going to reflect every other thing coming off of it. They probably decided, okay, well, this is going to be a better way so that we don't have to worry that um, some random screen or camera or something will kind of reflect off of it. It'll look like the things that are reflected off of it would be things that you would see in the environment. Um, it kind of reminds me, and I wish I could have watched it, 
there was a documentary on Star Trek The Next Generation because if you ever, if you remember that show, all the decks were lined with the with this glass uh, screen basically. It was supposed to be the computer screen so that like anywhere they go they can tap on it and like kind of access the computer. Which was like a cool idea, but at the same time, I think I've heard that it, it annoyed them because now they had to compensate all their camera angles so that they didn't see like the reflection of the camera and crew from all these screens that were um, usually lying dormant along the halls. Like every screen wouldn't have something on it because it would is one of those things that meant for like when a character. Um, had to stop and access something they could but for the most part it'd be like a tv that's off it would just be sitting there but at the same time since it's a black screen it would be reflecting it so um and you know i wonder if that was like the same kind of thing that we were thinking about here where like since his helmet and other things may be reflecting it this would be a way so they wouldn't have to worry about it i don't know just things i thought about um, but like I said, the, but the showcase is really cool. Now, initially, I thought that the showcase would be like per episode, but they kind of take the series as a whole. So they'll talk to all the directors and then there'll be like a few minutes and each one will talk about, you know, what they thought about this episode or this episode or this arc. So I would recommend that if you're going to watch it and of course, you haven't watched the Mandalorian show itself, watch the show first. And then start watching the showcase. Like I said, even in the first episode, they'll jump around to different episodes. Um, and the showcase is also, like I think, eight episodes long and they're about 30 minutes. So that'll be a good two-day uh, um project is one day you know take the afternoon and watch Mandalorian and then the next day take that afternoon and watch the Mandalorian showcase um there's so much I can say on it I can go deep into each episode but then it becomes just a commentary and um I don't have pictures to go along with it so uh you know you just listen to me almost like narrate most of them and then that's be boring so um all I can say is definitely watch the show. I really enjoy it. I enjoy the the direction that they take in this. Like I said, it was it's one of these things where they could have put this in the new in the new trilogy. They didn't, but I think it still works where it is, where it is placed. And who knows what that means for the future, but I do like where they're going with it. I like what they've done. I like that they took a lot of the things from the old Star Wars universe and made it better. They expanded on things. They um, brought the light things. They even brought up old stuff. Like, um, for instance, the weapon he uses is actually from the old holiday special. And they even mentioned, one of the characters actually mentions Life Day, which is something else from the holiday special, which is something that... Disney and Star Wars vividly try to forget ever happened, but uh, they actually brought it back here. Um, because uh, Dave Filoni is a director and I believe showrunner on uh, for The Mandalorian, and he was the one who came up with The Clone Wars, there's a lot of callbacks to The Clone Wars, and there's going to be a, there's going to be some more coming up in the new season. Um, and then John Farah, who uh, many people may know, is the director from um, the first Iron Man, and he plays um, Happy Hogan from that from the MCU series. Um, you know, he kicked off the MCU basically. Like he was one of the um, you know forefathers that started it all, and. He really brings a love for Star Wars here, and I really think it comes out in every episode. Um, you know, a lot of the actors, some of them you can say, you know, hit or miss. Maybe some doesn't work for you. But I think for the most part, they're all doing a great job. And like I said, I've really enjoyed it. And the showcase, 
if you're just, you know, like me and you're into those kind of behind the scenes looks, like how they do this and how they, you know, did certain things, I think it's a really cool uh, uh, background look at how they did it. Um, but I also mentioned that last week they aired the new Mandalorian um trailer for season two which comes out in uh, i believe the end of october october 30th or 31st or something like that so i can't wait on that they showed a lot of things like they showed him going to um some new planets new areas um definitely a few um they showed a few returning figures uh some new ones there's been rumors of a lot of other characters that will be showing up. Like I said, um, Clone Wars is a big deal um, because the, the the original showrunner from Clone Wars is on this show. So uh, there are certain characters that have been rumored that will be popping back up who have to survive from Clone Wars up to this point. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But that is another thing that I would also just, if you like the show, which I really think you will, um, check out the trailer for season two. I think it's really cool and it's um, going to show a lot of cool things on there. Um, so I know that's a little bit short, even though um, please don't think that um, I'm trying. I really just... Mandalorian is one of those shows that I can go on and on about and just break down every episode. And if I did that, then this would be a multi-episode uh, podcast. And I'm trying to make sure I keep them one episode, try to keep it concise, just kind of give you my thoughts and, and everything on it. But, um, but the main takeaway from it is... Watch The Mandalorian. You're going to love it. Now, I'd like to close out today with a... Basically, this is a short story that I made. It's a Marvel-DC crossover. And I don't know what made me think about this. I was just thinking about different characters. And this concept just popped in my head one night. And I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it out of my head. And all night, I was thinking about the story. I was thinking about the scenarios. I was thinking about, like, different character interactions. And it, it just, like, it, it just kept on. It just made it one itself. I had to start writing it down. So I actually used, um, it's funny, this first time I actually used the pen more, um, more exclusively on a tablet. And I actually wrote down... Um, most of the plot uh, for this crossover. So, um, so bear with me as I kind of read this. Now, all the characters that I'm going to use are from a certain point in their history. I'm not taking. Um, uh, I'm not taking the how they are in current comic book canon. Um, this is just my amalgamation. If you ever read things like um, Marvel's What If or DC's Elseworlds, they usually took characters from a certain point. It's usually like an author says, like, okay, I want to write about this character during this time period. And they'll kind of ignore... You know, what's currently going on with the character, because they want to tell, like, you know, at this portion of the character's history. Um, and also, they're, usually those kind of stories aren't, like, in-universe or in-canon, so they can take more liberties. And that's what I did here. Let's take a drink real quick. So, for ado... So, we're going to start off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And for context, I'm mainly using... The Guardians from the Guardians Volume 2. So, Star-Lord, Gamora, Rocket, Groot, um, Drax, and Mantis. That's my Guardians of the Galaxy group. Okay. So, our story kicks off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. They're on a mission in space. There's been several ships that have disappeared. And they've... 
basically they've been charged by a kind of local system to find out what's going on and why are their ships disappearing in this around this sector of space. Unfortunately, though, while they're investigating, they're being attacked by a, by a bounty hunter. And this is the fourth one they've, they've ran into in the last week. And the bounty hunters demanding that they hand over rocket or be vaporized. And the Guardians are kind of like, you know, going like, Rocket, what did you do? Who did you piss off that had at least four bounty hunters chasing us for the last week? And, um... I, I kind of ruined that I want a little uh, um, kind of interaction with them where uh, you'll have Groot being like, I am Groot. And then Rocket's like, no, the Shi'ar are cool with us, so I don't think it's them. I am Groot. No, we could just blame the the Skrulls, the Kree. Usually they'll, they fight each other, so we don't have to worry about that. And they'll go like well, some other place like... Oh no, Galactus doesn't even know who I took. And then Star-Lord just gets annoyed. He's like, okay, we get it. You've been a lot of places. Just, you know, let's get out of here and figure out what's going on. So, anyway, like I said, this is a rough draft. This isn't perfect. Um, so they eventually escape the bounty hunter. And they decide to travel to nowhere. Which you remember from the first movie is the giant celestial head. Um... But it's also a kind of hub of information. There's like a lot of people that travel in and out of there. So they figure, okay, if we go to nowhere, maybe we can get some information on what, what's going on. And not only about the ships disappearing, but also why all these bounty hunters are after Rocket right now. Um, so while the rest of them are going to kind of go out and kind of fan different um, sources of information, Drax is being um, tasked to stay with Rocket and watch out for him while they're there. So Rocket's in the shop getting supplies, and as he leaves, he can't see, he doesn't initially see Drax, but he finds him at a table, maybe a few stores down, and he's sitting there, and it looks like he's arm wrestling a stranger. And Rocket comes up and was like, you know, you know, what do you think you're doing? And Jack's, you know, kind of, you know, straining with this stranger's arm rest, like, um, I can't talk. Um, this cardigan has challenged me to a match, and I have to I have to face him. And Rocket kind of scratches his head, like, why would a sweater uh, challenge you to an arm wrestling match? And then the stranger speaks up and goes, first off, it's Zarnian. And second, he pulls out a gun, shoots at Drax, and he flies like across, across the way into a wall. And he looks down at Rocket and says, my name's Lobo, and you're coming with me, Rodent. So, my big crossover is that Lobo from the DC Universe is tracking is going to bring in Rocket from the Guardians of the Galaxy um so and here's the rest of the story that I've written down so nearby Star-Lord and Mantis hear the commotion and come to see Drax as he's slowly coming up and he just keeps on saying the sweater cheated um Peter bounces him and asks okay where's Rocket and Jack's still a little bit woozy, said, and he tells him, well, um, I was arm wrestling a sweater, and then he shot me through a wall. And then Peter just kind of shakes his head and just like, oh my god. Mantis, can you sense where he is? And she kind of quickly scans the area, she's like, yeah, I have a faint hint of Rocket. He's, he seems to be heading towards the landing pads uh, close to our ships. I can kind of sense the thing that took him, but it seems kind of off, which I would have taken. I'm using that kind of as for he's not part of the universe, so she could sense him, but there are things off. And also it's Lobo. He's off anyway. Um, so Peter tells Mantis, okay, 
you need to get okay get get Drax get him back to our ship I'll go try to track down Rocket he hits his rocket boots and then he radios in for um, Gamora and the rest of the team try to um, meet him so they can maybe stop maybe stop him um Jumping into Lobo now, he's making his way back to his bike, and he's got this container, and I imagine like this almost like clear containment unit that he's got rocket inside, because basically he tells him, um, you know, his rocket's trying to not really plead, but you know, kind of talks back to him. Um, Lobo explains that, you know, the bounty was, the bounty for Rocket was strictly to take him alive, which is usually not what Lobo does because he kind of finds those kind of jobs boring and not, not a lot of fun, but that's the rules. So that's why he got the containment unit. So he could just put him in there, take him to the bounty, get paid and get done. But just when he's a few feet from his bike, he gets blasted in the back. But the shot's kind of bad and almost hits rock, almost hits the containment unit and rocket, and it's actually Star Lord who's caught up with him. And then Peter kind of goes up and he go, and he kind of takes his, uh, if you remember his uh, wannabe Thor voice from Infinity War, he announces that he's Star Lord of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he'd best put down his friend or there'll be trouble. And then Rocket kind of sighs, like, "Oh my God, he's doing the voice again." But smirking though, Lobo kind of just quickly tosses the uh, tosses the container towards his bike, where an arm kind of like catches it and secures it to the back of the bike. Um, he turns and kind of slowly, slowly uh, walks towards Peter, going like, "Hmm, you know, you ain't blue or short enough to be a real guardian that I know of, but I suggest you sit this one out, Junior." My job is to take the rat here, take the rat here to fix some shit. So unless, and before he can even say anything else, Peter blasts him with both guns and propels Lobo off the uh, platform. And he's kind of strutting towards the bike, about to get Rocket um, off the bike. And he's like, um, Rocket's just kind of complaining like, you took your time you took your time getting here, and, you know, what was all that? I'm Star-Lord, and you almost hit me anyway. And before Peter can say anything, um, Lobo actually has jumped and crashes back onto the pad. And he looks at Peter and goes, all right, Star Bassage, we do this the fun way. And I haven't written this out, but there's supposed to, I want this kind of big fight between uh, Star-Lord and Lobo and then Gamora and Groot show up and they're trying to fight. Um, it's funny, like, there's a, um, there's a picture in my head that's basically, okay, the picture in my head is, you have Lobo's bike in the background with rock with a container with a container showing rocket and he's banging on the glass. I still enjoy baby Groot sometimes, so we'll say baby or teenage Groot is fiddling with the glass along with Mantis just staring at it. And then you have Lobo who's got uh he's using his chain to fend off uh, he's using his chains to fend off Gamora's uh, 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 sword. His other hand, he's got a gun firing at Star-Lord, who's also firing on him. And then he's got his boot on uh, Drax as he's trying to fight back. So it's like this... The picture I got is this crazy fight where Lobo's just taking on, taking them all on, and they just can't hit. They just they're having a tough time. But anyway, there's a whole sequence I have uh, that I wanted to have with Lobo and stuff like that and fighting anyway. So Lobo does end up taking, is able to take Rocket, whatever, and he takes him. 
into the nebula where all the ships are disappearing. And they think, serious. And that's where they find the weaponers of Kord. That's who put out the bounty. Now, if you don't know what that is, if you ever watch the animated series, animated movie, sorry, Green Lantern First Light, that was the kind of um, DC animated movie about Green Lantern, uh, Hal Jordan um, getting his Green Lantern ring. During the course of the movie, um, this race of beings in the antimatter universe have developed a yellow ring that they end up giving to Sinestro. And I kind of like that you have this race who live in this enemies. All they do is make weapons and, you know, things like that. They'll take a look at stuff. But anyway, the story is, the story behind all this craziness is that they were studying and they were creating weapons in the enemies, and they've been doing this for eons. But one day, a ship appeared out of random. And not only did the ship appear, but it's it's not anything that they it's not a design that they they know of. And also it seemed to tear at the space tear at space and time around it. All the life on the ship was destroyed, but they were able to retrieve the computer systems, the information, and they found out that the ship belonged to a race called the Kree, which is a race in the Marvel Universe, and they were trying to get into the negative zone for a potential power. But basically, their instruments ran awry, and instead of going into the negative zone, they ended up... It was like a combination of, in my head, it was a combination of their experiments and the cord experiments. Somehow, their frequencies for a split second aligned, and it brought the Kree into the antimatter universe. And since it was something that they weren't aware of, they had no protection of, and in which case, all the Kree on board were killed. Um... So, so they were, so they, so they have to fix this because it was tearing a hole into their universe. They didn't want things to break, but since it came, since part of the, part of the tear was on the Marvel side, they needed to be able to get some, somebody to help them fix it. And they searched the Cree databanks. They found a lot of candidates, but a lot of them were on earth. And for some odd reason, the Cree databanks, Earth has a big no uh, <laughs> no go sign on it. Like there was a lot of warnings on not going to Earth because, of course, the Crees had dealings with the Avengers and X Men and other heroes of Earth. They were like, "Yeah, don't go there." Um, so they tried to find somebody else, and they came and they so they looked for universe for other candidates, and Rocket came to the list. They tried to do the regular bounty, but none of them were able to do it and took too long. So they decided to pull a bounty hunter they knew, Lobo, who would be not only strong enough to withstand the travel between the DC Universe, Antimatter Universe, Marvel Universe, but also ornery enough to actually get the job done. And they asked Rocket, will you help them uh, fix the, fix the, basically, tear? Um, I haven't written exactly how they fix it, but let's just say they do stabilize it. Lobo and the Guardians kind of say their goodbyes. Lobo actually makes another pass at Gamora, while Peter is like really mad looking at him. Um, he bows in respect to Groot, which I have on which I have in my head that he actually understands Groot. So every time he says "I am Groot," Lobo knows exactly what's what's he saying, and that pisses off you know, um, everyone else, which, of course, Rocket is the only one who knows what Groot is usually saying, but um, everyone else also uh, <laughs> are like, what, you understand Groot? It's like, yeah, like, he's, he's speaking. <laughs> he's speaking clearly. Don't you hear it? But anyway, um, as they, as the Guardians fly back into their universe and head back to nowhere to kind of rest, Peter kind of remarks that was like one of the 
most dangerous and stupidest and infuriating jobs they ever had to do and hope they never see another person or another thing from a different universe in a lifetime. And Rocket kind of, you know, slowly nods. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Uh, and he's just staring at his computer screen. And um, as the issue closes, Dax and Mantis kind of look over their shoulders like, hey, um, Rocket, what are you looking at? Why are you so, like, what, what's got your attention? And Rocket's, Rocket, he says, you know what, I'm not sure. Um, I decided to look at their computers and I pulled some information from those weaponers. And I think I've got some plans for a battery and a ring, <laughs> which would which would imply that Rocket may try to recreate a power battery and a lantern ring. Well, anyway, I'll leave you at that. So that's my Lobo Guardians of the Galaxy crossover, whatever would they have it. Please let me know what you think. Is it crazy? Is it wild? Um, tell me where it needs work. If you're an artist and maybe you can figure out like how to put some of these images to page, maybe we can try to um, create some kind of short because uh, I think it would be a really fun thing to do. But anyway, um, thank you again for taking time listening. I really appreciate it. Um, if you have time, like I said, watch The Mandalorian. I think you'll enjoy it. And, you know, just as always in this crazy time, stay safe and, you know, have a great day. Peace.